This week is brought to you by none other than the Eric Gill. Enjoy. So uh, for this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, the series that we just started last week. And for your surprise, I'm going to go full rose today, or butt rose. So, yeah, butt rose, the, the most the improved version. Yeah, all right, what is his name? Nailed it. All right, so... All right, we're going to start, we'll, we'll, we'll get back to this in a minute. But anyways, we started this series called Spiritual Gift, or not Spiritual Gift, nailed it, Spiritual Fruits of the Spirit. And it's a series that we addressed last week about how we, we, there's a tension between us as humans, or as Christians, I should say, where there is the desires of the flesh on one end and the, and the desires of the, of the spirit on the other end and how they're always in conflict. If you are a Christian, there is a part of you that wants you to do the things that you shouldn't do. They wants you to do things that is not honoring to God. It wants you to do things that it opposes God. If you are a Christian, that's one of your natures. And then the other aspect is that now, as a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit within you that directs your step. It guides you, and that is the one that is prompting you into doing the things that you ought to do, doing the things that honor God, doing the things that pleases God. But there is a tension between you, between, within you, a tension that is pulling you in. Either way, and we talk about how you are to find out which is winning. The, re- the way that you can find out which is winning is by looking at what fruit you're producing. Not just one fruit. We talk about how Paul uses in his language, he uses the, in singular, he says fruit, no fruits, meaning that you have to have all of them, not just one. It's not like, well, I got joy, so then I'm checked. I'm producing fruit, so I'm doing well. And then disregard all of the other ones. That's not how it works. In reality, you have to do, you have to have all of them. It's singular. All of this compose one fruit which is what we have been addressing. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at each of those aspects that makes this big fruit. All right? And today we're going to start with a good old love. Yeah. Look at that, guys. You got to appreciate this handwriting. It took me all night last night, and I love it. But the word love, what an interesting word, right? It is a word that we use very often. Whether it's when you're expressing your affection to someone, whether it's your parents, a friend, uh, a special one in your life, or whether it's your, 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 uh, your likening when it comes to objects like food, a car, uh, TikTok, whatever, right? Uh, you, 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 you use this word love very often. We use the word love very often. Now, here's the sad part about this word love. When this word was first invented in the year 19-whatever, I don't even know when it was invented, when the language English was invented, it was supposed to be a word that meant something. This word love is supposed to mean something. But yet, because of society, because of the fact that we live in a broken world, this world has been tainted. And when you look at this world, it's supposed to mean something special to you. You should look at it and contemplate it and look at the beauty of it and look at how it is something that is special, but yet because of society, this world, this world has been tainted. Think about it. For those of you that, that have had a bad relationship, you had had a bad boyfriend or a bad girlfriend that told you, hey, I love you. I'm going to dedicate my life to you. I'm, gonna, I'm never going to hurt you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to take care of you. 
I'm going to provide for you with my $10 salary. I'm going to do all these things. And then when they break up to you, you start to discover that what they say, what they told you that they were going to do, is naturally true. Maybe you had parents in your life that, unfortunately, they're not the best parents. They have, you know, they, they haven't followed their guidance, their instruction that the Bible tells us as parents. And they have told you as their son or as a daughter, hey, I love you. I care for you. But yet their actions prove otherwise. Uh, it breaks my heart. I just found out last night, uh, late last night, my old youth pastor who, uh, who I really love. I really look up to him. He was someone that invested in my life as I was growing up. I just found out that his wife just decided to leave him for another man and just leave his whole family behind, her whole family behind. And uh, I remember that I was talking to my mom last night, and I'm telling me about this, and she told me that she'd look at him and say, you know what, I don't love you anymore. This was the same lady that 20-something years before stood in front of him and stood in front of a crowd and said, I will never leave your side. I love you for better or for worse. But because of this working world, because of society, like we said, this, world, this word love keeps getting tainted. Think about those of you that have friendships, that have friends in your life that have said, hey, you're my best friend. I love you. I care for you. I will never betray you. I will never, I'll always got your back. And then at the first time of friction, at the first sign of difficulty, they turn their back on you. They cur- curse you out maybe. They, they, they gossip you. They talk bad about you. They basically, in, entire, in a way, in entirely, they betrayed you. And that word love, as you can keep, keep seeing, it just keeps getting destroyed and tainted. It's not longer this beautiful thing that we should put to look at it and contemplate. It's being tainted. It's not longer what it was supposed to be. It's been destroyed. And you keep thinking about this as in areas, and you think about the people in this world that have had someone abuse them sexually or physically, and how they, those people at one time told them that they loved them, and then you see their behaviors, and then now they don't even know what love is. And you can go on and on on examples on things that's going on, and the reality is that because of the fact that we live in a broken world, this word love is not longer what it was supposed to be. It is tainted. So how, as Christians, how as people that are supposed to be the ones that represent God as citizens of heaven, people that are here, his ambassadors, that are supposed to go out and share the good news of the gospel, how are we to share love when we don't really know what love is? Because our definition of love, our understanding of love, has been destroyed by our circumstances, have been destroyed by our relationships have been destroyed by the things that we have experienced in our life. And that is heartbreaking. And that is sad. When you look at the book of Galatians that says, we just read it, it says, and these are the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with his passion. When you see this list, I'm not surprised that the Apostle Paul would decide to start with this one, because this is the one 
This is, the, the, this is one that he has addressed over and over. He had explained over and over the importance of love. You, can no go, you cannot go through the Bible and not find love in it. It is a word that is exemplified throughout us in the way that God dealt with you and deals with me. And so Paul is starting this list of this one proof that has different aspects. And he's starting this list with the one that is, I believe, is the most important and the one that is the hardest for us to engage, which is love. Because of what we just cover. It's being tainted. We don't really know what it means. We don't really know the definition. So... Before, so if we are to produce love, we've got to understand love. So for that, we're going to go to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It is impossible to talk about love and not bring up these verses here in the, first of, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It is a book, it is a, it's a, it's a letter that was written to a church that was struggling. It's a church that it, it was, was dealing with things that you and I are dealing today. Even though it was so many years ago, the things that they were facing, the things that they were dealing are just the same that you and I are dealing today. And it is interesting to me that he's going to dedicate this portion of the letter to remind these people, to, to teach them, to encourage them, and to challenge them by them understanding what love is. So, 1 Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 13, if you've ever been to a wedding, you must definitely heard it being said. Yet again, we're going to read it today. Verse 13, verse 4. Chapter 13, verse 4. Love is patient and kind. Does not, do, love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoice with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Let that sink in, guys. Look at that definition of love. I want you to read it over. If you're having it in your Bibles or on the screen, just read it over for a second. Let that sink in what he's saying there. That's the standard. That's what love is supposed to be. Love is supposed to be patient and kind. You know what that means? That it doesn't matter your circumstances around you, what, what your preferences, what you want things to be, you're still going to be patient and kind. That person in your life that drives you nuts, that gets on your nerve, you're not going to burst out on them. You're not going to, you know, say whatever you want to say. You're going to be patient and kind. Imagine a world where people were patient and kind. That does not envy or boast. That means that if you see someone that has something that you want, you're not just going to want that for yourself. You're not going to envy it. You're going to be happy for them. You're going to be thankful for them. You're not going to desire something that is not yours. And if you have something that is, that is special, that is nice, you're not going to boast yourself about it. You're not going to put yourself in this pedestal and tell everybody how great you are about what this one thing and it's easily placed out. And we live in a society, we live in a world that these two are very difficult to not do. Where it's hard for you not to be envy when we live in a world that is so materialistic. And it's hard for you not to boast when the appearance is all that it matters. But imagine a world where those two things were not happening. Where people were not envious and people were not boastful. 
The next one is hard as well. It is not arrogant or rude. Love doesn't think that you have it all figured out. We have a phrase in the DR or in Spanish that says, uh, don't think that you're the last Coke, Coca-Cola in the desert. Imagine you're in the desert with your friends, and the only thing you see is this one Coca-Cola. That Coca-Cola must feel very special. And yet, so many people live this world think that there are this Coca-Cola, this special thing in this world that everybody should bow in front of them, that everybody should, should praise them, that everybody should treat them especially just because of who they are. That is not love. Love is not arrogant or rude. It means that you treat people nice. It means that you don't look at them in a weird way when they're walking by you, that you just give them a smirk. It means that you're not just going to ignore them and just because they're different or because you disagree with them. Imagine a world where people were not arrogant or rude. Imagine a world where people were not, where they did not insist on getting on their own way. That's love. Love is that you don't want your way to happen for the sake of your way happening. That it does not rejoice a wrongdoing. When the people in your life that you don't get alone, bad things happen to them, love is not for you to make fun of them and rejoice. I mean, I'll, I'll go there because it, I think it's a, it paints a great picture. I don't know how you feel about your current president, but if something was to happen at him, love will tell you for you not to rejoice at his downfall or, or pitfall. That's not love. And as hard as it is, that's not what love is. Love rejoices with the true. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And you know why we have this description of love? Why we can say that this love has, is, is something that we can obtain, something that we can experience? It's because all of those things that you just see in this list, and I'm going to read it again just so that it hits, it, hits, it hits on you. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist in its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoice with the true. Love bears all things, believes all things, and hopes all things, endures all things. That is the definition of love. Love should not be this. This should not be our definition of love. As you can tell, it's been stained, but thankfully we have some them, someone that we can look at as the actual personification of this verses right here. Someone that actually did not, you know, that was patient and kind, that when he was beaten for your sin, for my mistake, he didn't lash out or gave up. He was patient and kind. He said to those that were beating him, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Patient and kind. That when he went on the cross, he did not envy us or boast on himself, being I am God himself. He didn't never walk among us as someone that boasts himself. Instead, he came here, he said to himself, I came to this world not to be not to be served, but to serve. He's the one that got on his knees and washed the disciples' feet. He is love. He is the example of love. He was not arrogant or rude. He did not insist on his own way. He was not irritable or resentful. He did not rejoice at the wrongdoing, but he rejoiced with the true. He, he bears all things. He believes all things. He hopes all things. He endures all things. Love, to understand love is to know 
this man is to know Jesus. He is the definition of love. He is what we have to look when it comes to love. He is the standard of love. He is the example of love. It doesn't matter what you have experienced. It doesn't matter what you have gone through. It doesn't matter what you have uh, dealt with in your life. The call that you have to love one another is one, is to understand that we are to deal with others in the same way that Jesus dealt with us. How Jesus, that while you and I were sinners, gave his life for us. That is the perfect example of love. A love that we so quickly dismiss. A love that we are so quickly to ignore. I could love that we are so quickly to betray, and yet again, Jesus remains the same. He still cares for us. He still died on the cross for us. He still seeks to save the lost and to bring them to his fall. That is love. So, what are the reasons that we need to consider for love? So, reasons for love, for love, or for practicing love. First one, we have been instructed to do it. For, uh, John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. A commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. You have to recognize that you have been, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, you don't have an option. You have been told by Jesus himself that your new commandment, your rule of engagement as a soldier of his army, is to love one another, is to care one another just as he did for you. Man, how, close, how, how far we fall from that. We fall so short of that standard. I mean, I wonder just today how, how many of you guys did this morning. Did you love one another this morning? Did any of you already, you know, struggle with that? It is tough to love others just as Christ loved us. And yet that is our command. That is our rule of engagement. In the military, if you don't follow the rule of engagement, you're in trouble. I'm not saying we're in trouble, but that is our responsibility. It's as a commandment. We are to love one another. The second one is not only you have been instructed to do it, it is in the DNA of those who know God. It is in your DNA it is part of you. We're told in 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Because you receive this message of the gospel, if you have believed in this message of the gospel, then you know the power that comes with it, the forgiveness that comes with it, the care, the, the, the purpose that comes with it, how Jesus demonstrated his love that while you and I were sinners, Christ died for us. It is in our DNA. It is, you know this. You, if you're a Christian, you know what love is. And if you don't know what love is, then that means that you don't believe in the message of the gospel. You have not really understand what the message of the gospel is. A message that is saying that you as broken as you are, as sinful as you are, as undeserving as you are, yet I'm going to sacrifice myself for you. I'm going to surrender myself for you so I can rebuild this relationship that was, that was broken by your sin, by your struggles, by your mistakes. This is what Jesus did on the cross. 
And if you know this message because you experience it yourself, you have read it, you have heard it, and you have worshiped it, you have sang it, it is in your DNA. You cannot go saying that you don't know what love is. That song, I don't know what love is, want you to, you know, we know what love, nailed it. Yeah, thank you, John. We know what love is. Love was poured out on the cross as an atonement for your sin and my sin. That is what love is. And the third one is, we ought to love in deed and in truth. We're told in 1 John 3, 18, it says, Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Let me read that again. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. What the challenge that he's telling them is like, enough with the talk. Enough with just saying that you're going to do it. Enough with you standing before a crowd and saying that, for well, better or for worse, I'm going to love you and I'm going to stick to you. And then 20 years later, give up your marriage and go for another man. Enough with the talking. Enough with just the saying. If you are to love, you have to do it in deed and in truth. You have to actually get up out of your feet and start doing it. These are three reasons as to why we should, practice it. we should be practicing love. We could spend a whole year talking about love and doing a series on love for the remainder of the year. There's so much that we can say about love. But these three things right here will debacle any argument that you may have as to why you're not loving somebody in your life. Any excuse that you think that you have as to why you're not loving that person that you, that you know very well that you haven't been loving, any reason why you're afraid, any reason as to why you don't think that you're capable or that you can do it, all of that is put to shame because the reality is, is that if you know that you've been instructed, if, you, if it is part of your DNA, then you know that you ought to do it with truth and indeed. That is our role as Christians. We have said it before and we say it again. By, these, by this, people will know that you're my disciple, Jesus said. By how you love one another. And often that's a verse that is often quoted when he's talking to the world. That verse was actually intended, Jesus intended them with his disciples. Those one another was the disciples, the fellow believers. Now it does apply to the outsiders, but it was first instructed to those that were in the family of God. How are you loving people? How are you caring for the people in this room? So I have two questions that I want you to consider. Do you know love? Think about that. Do you know love? What is your definition of love? Is your definition of love still this one that is tainted, that is affected by all of your circumstances, relationships, experiences that has been destroyed? Or is your, religion, or your understanding of love is what Jesus did for you on the cross? Do you know love? If you don't know love, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus and you haven't experienced this special kind of love, know that you can do that today. You can certainly come into and be an opportunity where you can 
understand and talk to me or talk to a leader and you could potentially understand what love is. But do you know love? If the answer is yes, then are you love to others? The people in your life that you encounter, whether it's here in church, whether it's in your family, whether it's in school, whether wherever it is, strangers, non-strangers, best friends, not best friends, people you like, people you don't like, are you love to them? Do they see this on you or do they see this on you? This is, this is a reality of the world. If we are to walk by the Spirit, if we are to not give in to the desires of the flesh, if we are not to submit ourselves back into slavery, if we are not to give in to Satan and let him direct our step, but instead actually follow the guidance of God, if we are to live and walk by the Spirit, the very first thing that we ought to do is to love one another. It's to be loving to others. It's to understand love and reciprocate love. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the fact that you sent your son to die on the cross and the fact that he is the perfect example of love, that even if we have not understanding of what love will be or what love is, Lord, we can always look back to your son and be reminded of what love actually looks like. A love that was selfless, a love that was committed, and a love that was... uh, restoring for us lord father i pray that we will live a life that does that for others that we will follow your example that we will love not only the people that are here in this room but anyone that we will encounter with lord that we will be known to them as love lord that we will be a good testimony lord of you because of how we love one another father i pray this in your name amen all right guys thank you for joining us good morning and citizen